So our first promise that we are going to look at is on the screens. Now it is nothing can separate us from the love of God. Romans 8 verse 37 says this, No, in all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Do you know that there is nothing that can separate you from God's love tonight? There is nothing that you can do. There is nothing that you don't do. There is nowhere that you have been. There is nowhere that you have come from that God cannot love you. God, nothing can separate you from the love of God. I have got here a flask. You might think, what has that got to do with the love of God? If I was to tell you that this flask was unbreakable, they sell unbreakable flasks. If I was to tell you that this flask was unbreakable, if you're a female in this place, then you would be like, oh, that's quite good because I often drop my flask, it might break, that's quite good. If you're a bloke, you're sat there thinking, I could break it. (laughs) Come on. You are, aren't you? You'd be like, right, first thing, here's what we need to do. We need to go to the roof, and we'll drop it off the roof. If it doesn't break, I'll get my car out. We'll run it over. I will prove that it does not break, that it can break. Do you know, Paul here, in this, in this list, is speaking into the mind of a man a little bit, and he's going, do you know what? Nothing, nothing you do can separate you from the love of God. It's an exhaustive list where Paul says, do you know what? Neither angels nor demons, neither death nor life, no power, nothing that you ever come across can separate you from the love of God. And we forget about it, don't we? We come to God like, like condemned people. Um, you know, Leon said the other week when he kicked off the price tag series, he said, just dropped it a little bit. He said, sometimes we treat God like a boss. And we do, don't we? We sometimes think that if we mess up, we're in God's bad books and we've got to earn our way back to God loving us again. We can sometimes think that if we do well, if we read our Bible today, then God loves us a little bit more. If we go to church twice, which we've been to church twice today, like God loves us a little bit more. Do you know, we think that, but actually that's not true. There is nothing that you can do to earn God's love and there's nothing that you can do to lose God's love. But sometimes we live like that, don't we? We live like a condemned people. Do you know, John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. One of the most popular Bible verses in the Bible. But John 3.17 says this. It says, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Do you know, if you're in Christ Jesus, if you're a Christian, if you follow Jesus, you are not condemned. Romans 8 verse 1 says, therefore, there is now no condemnation. It doesn't say that there is no condemnation for those that are pastors in a church. It doesn't say for there is no condemnation for those that read their Bible three times a day. It doesn't say for there is a little bit of condemnation if you come to church on a Sunday night, but not as much as other. It doesn't say that there is a little bit of condemnation, but not as much as other people. It doesn't say that there is some condemnation. It says, what does it say? It says there is no condemnation. You are not condemned. I wonder if that sets people free tonight. God does not sit there going, oh, they're a bad Christian. Do you know there's no such thing as a bad Christian or a good Christian? There is nothing that can separate you from the love of God. Now, I'm not saying, please don't hear this, I'm not saying, it's okay, God still loves us, let's all run around and sin and get it all wrong, and then it's okay because God still loves us. We still come to God and we repent because we love God back. 
but there is nothing that you can do that can separate you from the love of God. God does not condemn you. In Luke 15, Jesus tells uh, a story of, of the prodigal son. He tells this story, and you've, you've probably heard it uh, a whole load of times. And um, I've heard it, and I've, I've preached about it before, and I've heard lots of different points. For me, um, when I read this story and I hear Jesus tell this story, the point that I remember and the point that sticks out to me is the story is about our standing as a son or daughter of the king. You see, the younger son, he goes out, he does everything to lose his dad's love. But at the end of the story, his dad loves him. The older son, he does everything to earn his father's love. He does it all right. He gets it right. He does everything that he should do. And his father loves him at the end of the story. Now, I don't think the father loves it one more than the other. I think he loves them both. And I wonder tonight if you need to know that you're a son and you are a daughter of the king. And God loves you not for what you do or not for what you don't do but for who you are, because you are his son and you are his daughter. You see, nothing can separate you from the love of God. Uh, We've been, uh, as part of Resounds, we've been doing uh, the Freedom in Christ course, and it's been incredible. We did the Steps Day yesterday, which was a really, really powerful day. And one of the things that they talk about in in the Freedom in Christ course and that is in the Bible is that you are not a sinner. So often we view ourselves as sinners, but the Bible calls us saints, the Bible calls us a holy people. And in Ephesians 1 verse 1, Paul writes to the people of Ephesus and he says to the holy people in Ephesus. Now, Ephesus was a pretty rough place. There was some dodgy stuff going on in there. But Paul says they're holy. Why? Because they follow Jesus. They might get it wrong. And, you know, I refuse to live my life thinking that I'm a sinner because I'm not. The Bible calls me a saint and that is what I am. And I'm a saint that sometimes sins. I'm not a sinner that acts saintly sometimes. I'm a saint who sometimes sins. And I do get it wrong, but you know what? I want to live my life going, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to claim that God calls me a saint and that's how I'm going to try and live my life. I'm not going to take this nonsense that I'm a sinner because I'm not. Because Jesus died for me and washed in the blood of the Lamb to pick a, a quite Christian phrase. But, but I am made righteous through Jesus, therefore I'm a saint and I'm holy and righteous before God. And this excites me, it really does. Uh, you might be able to tell I'm quite excited and passionate about it. And I think the only way that we can respond to this is worship. There's loads of songs that talk about love. And, and I want to invite the band up um, and we're going to sing some songs celebrating God's love for us and celebrating how much he, he, he loves us and just worshipping him for who he is. Um, so let's just, why don't we stand together? And just uh, on your own, to just take a moment of silence just to, just to remember how much God loves you. And some of you might hear a lot that God loves you. And one of the things when I was writing this is I felt like God was saying to some people tonight, God likes you as well. God doesn't just love you because he has to. He likes you and he delights in you. That's what the Bible says, he delights in you. Promise number two says, it should be on the screen, God will provide all of your needs. Philippians 4 verse 19 says, and my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. God throughout the Bible constantly says, I will provide your needs. I will give you what you need. I, I will give what you need. The God, one of the names for God is Jehovah Jireh, which means my provider. It's, God is speaking through it right through the Bible. Um, 
for me, I've seen moments of God providing my life. Uh, one of the major moments where God provided for me uh, was when I was about 17 or 18. I knew God had called me uh, to do a gap year with Youth for Christ. Um, and uh, there was, when I was kind of umming and ahhing about whether it was right to do the gap year, there was another option. Um, and the gap year with YFC cost two and a half grand. The other option was much cheaper. So I was like, I was a little bit scared about raising that much money. So I was saying to my parents, you know, I think I'm going to go for this option. My mum and dad kind of felt that it was right for me to go uh, to Youth for Christ. So I was sent to my nan and granddad's to go and pray with them um, because they would sort me out. And I prayed with my nan and granddad. You know you're in trouble when you get sent to your nan and granddad's. Do you know what I mean? It's like when your mum says, just wait till your dad gets home. That's when you know you're in trouble. Um, I'm sure Laura said that to Archie, our little puppy. Just wait till Andy gets home. You're in trouble then. Um, but I, was, I went and prayed with my nan and granddad about it. And God really spoke to me. Like one of the most clear times God spoke to me. And God spoke to me and said, I want you to go and do this gap year with Youth for Christ. And I was stressed about the money. I was worried about it. And my mum kept saying to me, if God orders it, he'll pay for it. And I was... I just kept holding on to that. I kept going, okay, if God, you've ordered it, then you've got to pay for it. And, you know, we wrote, for, we wrote to charities. We did loads of fundraising. And I was um, bowled over to, to be able to turn up on my first day of my gap year and be able to hand the full £2,500 to Youth for Christ and say, that is paying for my entire year. Do you know, God even uh, provided that much that I was able, when I met some people who I was doing a gap year with, I was able to give them some of the money because they were short and I was able to pass on the provision that God had provided for me. It was incredible. I cannot tell you how bold over as an 18-year-old I was to see God provide for me like that. And it was, it was just incredible. And, and I want to tell you tonight that God can provide all your needs. Um, Genesis 24, there's a funny little story um, in Genesis 24 where... Abraham sends one of his servants uh, for, uh, to go and find Isaac, his son, a wife. Now, his servant goes off. He takes loads of stuff, and he says this in uh, verse 12. So it's uh, Genesis 24, verse 12. He says, then he prayed, this is the servant praying, Lord, God of my master Abraham, make me successful today and show kindness to my master Abraham. See, I am standing beside this spring, and the daughters of the townspeople are coming out to draw water. May it be that when I say to a girl, please let down your jar that, my, that I may have a drink, and she says, drink, and I'll water your camels, let her be the one you have chosen for your servant, Isaac. Now, it's not a great way to find a wife, got to be honest. Like, I don't recommend going to Hell's Own Town Centre tomorrow and being like, right, God, the first girl that comes out the chip shop... And I say, can I have a chip? And when she says, would you like tomato sauce with that? That's going to be like this. You understand that this is Bible times, different time. Young people don't do that. It's not good. Um, it It goes on to say this. By this, I will know that you have shown kindness to my master. Verse 15 says this. Before he had finished praying, Rebecca came out with her jar on her shoulder. I love that phrase, before he had finished praying. Do you know, this time last year, uh, we went on holiday. Laura and I went on holiday with some friends of ours called Bethan and Adam. And uh, on the last couple of days of our holiday, there was a stress that came out. Um, Beth and Adam were running a youth event um, back here. And uh, they'd, fa- they'd had a call to say that there'd been a complication with a minibus that they were hiring. 
and it was all getting stressful and we were, there was talk of us having to go home early from our holiday. Now, when I'm on holiday, I want to stay on holiday and I'm like, we are not going home. I am going to fix this problem. So I, I swung into activator mode. I was like, I'm going to fix this. Let's, let's sort it out. We tried to come up with all sorts of solutions. Nothing was working. We were phoning people. Nothing, nothing was working and it was really looking like we were going to have to go home early. So we were driving back to the cottage that we'd hired out, and Beth said, why don't we pray about it? Now, I can't can't believe that it took four Christians that long to pray about this situation. I'm a little bit embarrassed. But we we began to pray, and there was four of us, so we took turns, and we were all going to pray once, because those are the rules, like you can't pray more than once. And um, and we we were praying, and and I was the third person to pray, and I was halfway through my prayer, and Adam's phone began to ring. Adam answered it, and it was the guy who was the, they were hiring the minibus off. And he said, don't worry about it. It was complicated, but I've sorted it for you. Don't stress about the minibus. It's sorted. Before we'd finished praying, God had provided our needs. All it took was for us to turn to God and say, God, we need you. As a culture, we're so self-sufficient. We're so good at, at creating a culture that we don't really need God. That's what we do. And don't get me wrong, God can provide through jobs and stuff like that. I I totally agree. But sometimes we don't leave space for God to provide for us. We provide for ourselves. We try and fix the problems ourselves. When God says, I will supply all of your needs. Um, I wonder whether we don't leave space for God to provide. I wonder whether um, we don't allow God to provide for us. In 1 Kings 17, there's an incredible story about uh, Elijah where he's fed by ravens. And, and I think out of this story, we can read that, that God provides for us through obedience. Um, from verse 2 of 1 Kings 17, it says, Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah, Leave here, turn eastward, and hide in the Kerith ravine east of the Jordan. You will drink from the brook, and I have instructed the ravens to supply you with food there. So he did what the Lord had told him. He went to the Kerith Ravine east of the Jordan and stayed there. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. Now, if I was Elijah, I'd be like, God, you're telling me to go and camp by a river. Can't we just, like, you know, sort out a premier inn or something, you know? I'll go to Scotland, I'll hide in Scotland, that'd be cool. Like, just, but, but Elijah's obedience, like God tells him a ridiculous promise that, that birds are going to come and bring him food, and he's obedient. He says to God, okay, if you're saying it, I'm going to do it. And God provides his needs. Literally, birds drop food out the sky for him. See, God provides his needs through obedience. A number of years ago, I was at a, an event, and the offering time came up, and I strongly felt like God said to me to put £100 in this offering. Now, I had a little battle with God. I didn't have that much money. And I was like, God, this is going to be like really tight for me for the next month if I give this £100. And I was, I was wrestling with God. And God just kept saying, like, the feeling just wouldn't go away. I couldn't shake. I couldn't shake it. I couldn't justify not giving it. I was trying to, but I couldn't not give it. And I, I just I said, okay, God, I'm going to have to trust you on this. So I, I filled in the form, gave £100, and away I went. Do you know, a week later, I got a check in the post. Do you know how much the check was for? £100. It's incredible. Now, I'm not saying that if you give money in the collection tonight, 
that you're going to get a check. Do you know what I mean? If you give two and a half thousand pounds, God's not going to then write you a check. I think what God was doing is he was testing my obedience. And he was saying, Andy, if, you're, if, you're, if you want me to provide your needs, you've got to be obedient. You see, Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. I wonder whether we need to lay some stuff down. I wonder whether we need to stand before God and say, I want to create space for you to provide for me. Now, please don't, as a result of tonight, go and sell your house and sell all your possessions and go, God's going to provide. Do you know, it's only if God calls you to do it. God told Elijah to go and sit by the brook. God told me to give that £100. I wonder if God is calling you tonight to create some space. I wonder if God is calling you to, to create some space for him to move. And I'm not just talking about financial stuff, and I'm, and I'm not just talking about material stuff. I wonder whether God is calling you to step up in, in uh, your ministry. I wonder whether God is calling you to step up in the evangelism that you do in your workplace or in your school, in your, in your college. He might be uh, calling you to step up in how you serve here at church. And you might be sat there thinking, yeah, but God, I can't do it. I'm not, I'm not that gifted. I'm not that good. I'm not confident to telling people about you. Do you know what? God doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called. And let God provide your needs you know, the amount of times I sit there and I go, who let me work for a church? <laughs> Don't tell the elders. <laughs> but the amount of times I'm like, well, what, what were they doing? Like, well, this is a little bit freaky. This is a little bit scary. I feel out of my depth. But, you know, I know that God doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called. And I say, God, I'm going to be obedient to you. And I want you to provide all my needs. I want you to give me what I need. And the amount of times that I've opened my mouth and something good's come out and I've been like, oh, that clearly wasn't me. That was God. That's good. Do you know what? Let God provide your needs. Um, we're going to sing a song over you. I say, wait, not me. You don't want that. That will just totally just destroy everything. Uh, ben and Abby are going to uh, sing a song over us. And I want you to just seek God for a little while. Just seek God and see if, God, if God's calling you to create any space for him to provide for you. I wonder whether God is calling you to to lay some stuff down. And that might be difficult. There might be big things like God says, I want you to change jobs. There might be big things. Um, I was obedient to God and went to a different sixth form. And that was tough. God might be calling you to change your university plans or to change your, your college plans. God might be asking you to give up an hour of, of your day. God might be asking you to um, do different things. I don't know what God's calling you to do. But I wonder whether we just need to leave a little bit of space and allow God to challenge us and create space for God to provide all our needs. So while these guys sing over us, let's just seek God and ask God to challenge us. The third and final promise that we're going to look at says this, I am with you. The most common promise in the Bible is God says, I am with you. It's interesting following on from the last thing that it's linked with the most common command in the Bible that says, do not be afraid for I am with you. It's interesting, isn't it? God says, 
I am with you. In Isaiah 41, verse 10, he says this, Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous hand. It's the most common promise in the Bible. And yet, how often do we pray, God, be with me? How often do we... Uh, the amount of times I, uh, people ask me to pray for them, and I say, well, what would you like me to pray for? And they say, oh, we pray that, that God's with me tomorrow, that God's with me in this difficult situation. I kind of want to go, no. <laughs> it says it enough in the Bible, the promise is that God is with you. That God is with you wherever you go. Whatever you do, God is with you. Sometimes I think we look at God and we think he leaves us to get on with it. It comes back to this uh, thing that Leon said about we, sometimes we treat God like a boss. Uh, during my gap year, uh, it may surprise you to know that I was on a creative arts team. Um, I was on a singing and dancing and rapping and drama group. No, I'm not going to give you an example. Um, but as part of that, we uh, did some schools work and we were on a mission in Surrey. And I had a cold. Now, when I get a cold, when I get man flu, it is bad. Like, I'm terrible. I'm like, oh, I'm dying. Oh. Like, I, I'm, te- I'm awful. When, I'm, when anybody is ill around me, I avoid them. Like, last year, Laura had that horrible vomiting bug. And I, I have to say, I wasn't the most caring husband. I put a hoodie on, put gloves on, <laughs> went, into, went into the bedroom. I slept downstairs while she was ill. I put the hoodie over my face like that, and I was like, are you all right? I'm praying for you. <laughs> like, I was terrible. I, honestly, I, wherever she walked, I was just there with anti-back, just spraying. <laughs> I'm terrible. I hate being ill. I'm awful. And I had a cold um, when, I was, uh, when we were doing this mission. And bear in mind, I was a stroppy 18-year-old, and I sat at the side of this stage, and I said, do you know what? Ugh, I've got this cold. Why can't God just heal me? I'm doing all this work for him. I'm working hard for him. And what's he doing for me? I've got this cold. He can just heal me, but he won't. <laughs> I've grown up since then, I promise. And so often we, th- we treat God like a boss and we think that we're working for God. But you know what? I was saying to Excel this morning, we live our lives with God and we live it for God. But first of all, we live our lives with God. God is with us. And uh, yeah, we live life for, uh, with him, not for him, but we also live it for him, but with him. Does that make sense? It's confusing words. Um, last year, we went on holiday to Gran Canaria, and uh, I sat on the sun lounger by the pool. It was nice. It was, it was hot. I was getting a tan. I was enjoying it. It was really nice. And this a family turned up and sat by, uh, to my left, and there was, there was a couple of families and, and a load of kids, really young kids, and uh, they... Immediately, the kids started playing about. They started having a good time. They were jumping in and out of the pool. The parents took this opportunity to sit down. They decided to relax, get a few beers in, have a few cigarettes, and they were chilling out. As time went on, the kids uh, began to get a little bit restless. They began to cause a little bit of trouble. One of them came and tried tried to annoy me, and I was like, get away. I'm sunbathing. Leave me alone. And uh, these kids were, were being a little bit mischievous, and the parents, rather than getting up and coming and, and uh, getting alongside their kids, what they did is they started to shout from their son lounge, "Oi, stop it! Come here! Stop it! Stop it!" Like they kept, they kept, they just sat on their sun lounger, stayed with their beers and their cigarettes, and just stayed on their sun lounger and just shouted from a distance. And you know, sometimes we view God like that, don't we? 
that God sits on a cloud in heaven playing solitaire and enjoying times with the angels. And, and we, think, we think we only hear from God when we're in trouble. But when he goes, oh, stop it, cut it out, pack it in. Like, we sometimes view God like that. But what was interesting is, is as I looked straight ahead of me into, in the pool, was a Welsh guy and his son. And this Welsh guy was an incredible father. I really enjoyed watching him. And his son wasn't the coolest kid in the world, but they played for hours in the swimming pool. They were recreating moments from the premiership. The dad was like, right, son, I'll be... <laughs> Do you know, I practiced this as well. <laughs> Hang on, I just need to get into Gavin and Stacey mode. Right, son. No, it's not working, is it? I'll leave it. He said, right, son, I'll be Carlos Tevez, and you be Joe Hart. Funny that no villa behaviors were mentioned, but never mind. Um, he said, I'll be Carlos Tevez, you be Joe Hart, and we'll, we'll reenact stuff, and they were having fun, they were having banter. This, this dad could have been sat on his son lounge or sunbathing, but he wanted to spend time playing with his son. And, you know, God is like that second father. God's not Welsh, but God... <laughs> God... Um, God wants to get alongside us. God says, I'm with you. And God is with us. God wants to have fun with us. God's not distant. God is not angry. God is alongside us and he is with us. And he says, I want to enjoy this life with you. I want to get alongside you. And I want to be a part of your life. It's interesting that Jesus' last words to his disciples in Matthew 28, verse 20 says, Surely I am with you until the end of the age. See, God is with us. We don't need to pray, God be with us. Because God is with you. God is with you when you go to work tomorrow. God is with you when you're in your car. God is with you when you go into that difficult meeting. God is with you in your RE lesson when, when your teacher's doing your head in and saying stuff that you don't agree with you. God is, God is with you. God is with you when you walk into town. God is with you when you go shopping. God is with you everywhere you go. Because he lives life alongside you. See, we don't do stuff for God. We live our lives with God. Jesus promises the Holy Spirit in Matthew 6. He says, if you love me, obey my commands, and I will provide for you another advocate, a helper. That's the Holy Spirit. And if we've got the Holy Spirit inside of us, the Holy Spirit can work through us and in us. Um, The Bible says that the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is at work within us. Wow. That's scary when we think about it, isn't it? Sometimes, oh, that's nice, God is with us. But the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is at work within you. Wow. I think that's really powerful. That challenges me. Like when I go and get a subway for lunch, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is at work within me. Defeating those calories. (laughs) The same power that raised Jesus from the dead. See, by his Holy Spirit, God is with us. And I wonder tonight if some of us need reminding of God's presence, of the Holy Spirit's presence in our lives. And some of us might need a, a, a refreshing fillment of the Holy Spirit. Fillment? I'm not sure whether that's a word, but a, a new filling of the Holy Spirit. And um, yeah, I think, why don't we stand together? You know, the, the disciples were promised by Jesus of this, of this helper and another, and another advocate. And um, the thing that they did is they waited. In Acts 2, it says that they were in an upper room and they waited for God. They waited for God's Holy Spirit. So this is what we're going to do. We're just going to wait. 
and it might help you to close your eyes um, so that you're not distracted by people around you. And we're just going to wait uh, for the Holy Spirit to, to move. And um, I've not planned anything because it's not my job to plan this, but it's God's job. Um, so let's just wait on the Holy Spirit and, yeah, let's just ask God to move. Just keep praying. If God's, if the Holy Spirit's moving in you, then then keep keep going. Um, a number of years ago, I was going through a, a tough time, and I kept being reminded of a situation that really wound me up and really hurt me. And um, when I sat and discussed it with with a mentor, um, what we did was we we prayed and we imagined being back in that situation and in the room. And what what they said to me was, he said, "Do you know God was with you in that moment?" look for him and I began to look around the room and look to see where Jesus was and Jesus was sat right opposite me on the sofa and he was pulling faces at me pulling silly faces and now when I look back on that situation I remember that Jesus is there and it brings me joy that situation and it makes me laugh I wonder whether some of you have got um, painful issues that have that have gone on in the past that, that you need to know that God was with you in that moment that God didn't leave you, God didn't abandon you, that God was with you. I wonder if that's you. Could you um, do a brave thing and just stick your hand up and, and a few people around you would love to pray for you. If that's you, that's great, brilliant. If you're stood next to somebody that's got their hand up, could you just stick a hand on their shoulder and let's just pray. And just pray, come Holy Spirit, come and ask, ask the Holy Spirit to reveal stuff. And if you're praying for somebody, then ask God to reveal you for you a picture or a word or something that is going to encourage them. You know, I really believe God's working and will continue to work just as, as we close. You know, this weekend I, I went away to a men's conference. <laughs> and I wanted God to touch me. I was desperate for a touch from God. I thought I'd lost something. And I went there on the Friday, and, and the worship and the teaching was amazing. But no touch. And then Saturday morning, the worship and teaching was amazing. But no touch. I was desperate. And then as we headed into lunch, the guy says, I think some of you need to worship here. You don't need lunch. <laughs> and he said, we're not going to have lunch. We're going to stay and worship. And it was then that I got on my knees and I worshipped. And then in that moment, God said to me, you don't need a touch, Simon. You've got my embrace. You don't need a touch, You've got my embrace. You see, the moment I accepted Christ is the moment you're walking in now. And then I sang. You know, some of you, some of you might have not felt something when you were prayed for this evening. But you've got God's embrace. That's a promise. Amen. So we're going to celebrate. We've got something to celebrate, haven't we? God loves us. God embraces each one of us. Amen.